Just think for a moment. I, I, I wonder if, uh, if you're curious or ever think about if others know what you're thinking about. Now, I know sometimes in marriage we expect the other person to read our thoughts and, uh, and function that way. Maybe you've had a, a relationship that way. But just think for a little bit about what goes on up here. I think it's time that the church talk about what's going on up here. And so if you are brand new and you're like, what are we talking about? The series is called Self-Talk. But what we're going after is, is your mind healthy? The Bible says to love God with our mind. If you want to love anyone else, any kind of normal relationship, we have to admit that if this is unstable, unhealthy, if this has, well, just if you're consumed with stress and worry and anxiety, it's really tough to have a really good relationship. So we're going after this. All locations. We, uh, in fact, I want to bring something up this week that I'm curious what your reaction will be. So I'm anticipating a reaction. Let me show you something that might have a reaction. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. True or false? False, for the most part that I hear. False. I think, I think most of us would say, I mean, okay, I know some of you are conspiracy theorists and you're not sure if we really went to the moon or not. And I don't know, there's different things you like, I don't know if I believe this or that, but can we admit that this is probably one of the most common lies that is continually getting passed on? This is not a new lie that all of a sudden just got made up at some time in, in the 2000s. We, we know this, right? You know this. This has been, and, and what's fascinating is, is I'm pretty sure all of us are like, yeah, that's, that's totally not true. Most of us have actually had the opposite. That's why I think why we say it, actually. I think it's why we, if you were to say something mean to me, and I'm like, you know what, that didn't even hurt me, right? What I'm actually saying is, that hurt really bad. And I'm just not going to show you right now how bad that hurt. That's how that works. In fact, you probably have had someone say something to you that maybe even reflecting now. I remember I remember one of my own. I remember uh, my family and I, we moved from Indiana to South Carolina uh, right before my junior year in high school. I'd been attending the same school for a long time, had lots of friends. I was playing sports all year long, was really integrated. Things were awesome. And then I was told, we're moving. I'm like, oh, joy, right? Some of you have moved. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. Like life was going great. So we arrived to South Carolina. South Carolina, by the way, is in the south. It is way different than Indiana. And uh, I did not do well with the move. Uh, mostly my fault. I, I got stubborn, was mad that we moved, and frankly just would refuse to participate and, and actually own what was going on, right? And so I, I began to pull back and retreat in different ways, didn't play sports as much, and just really just stopped caring a whole lot. My locker at the new school was at the end of a hallway. I kind of liked that because it was near an exit, which meant that if I wanted to go home, whether I was allowed to go home or not, could go home without many people seeing. Uh, I was pretty uh, insecure. I was in an environment I was not familiar with. In fact, the only kid I knew, <laughs> uh, actually two, the exchange student who felt out of place too, uh, we became close, uh, and another kid that moved like we moved. It's, it's interesting, you know, in our common times, our common things, like we bonded. But I was pretty insecure, just to tell you, struggling with what was going on. To, to make it more difficult, uh, I was 
I was a bit insecure about myself. Um, I would, like I told you, I've been playing sports, was very active, why I pretty much stopped, and so got way out of shape. And I remember going to my locker one day, got my books for the next class, turned around, began to walk down the hallway, I had to go to the center of the school. Now, the way I walked down the hallway is I kept my head down. I just, I didn't know anybody and didn't want to, but I, I'll never forget the day I walked down the hallway and, uh, and started to hear progressively fat jokes as I was walking down. One kid yelled, hey, look, there's the Pillsbury Doughboy. And, and I was just like, I think he's talking about, I'm pretty sure he's talking about me. Kept my head down, kept, kept walking. There would be other days that would transpire and have similar things said. And uh, I'm, I'm, I would go to class, I would keep going after, but I got to tell you, I began to regress even more. I began to actually, I don't know if you've ever done this, you've, you, you've had thoughts about yourself and then someone said something very mean and then it kind of confirmed what you thought about yourself and you began this bit of a downward spiral. That's pretty much what happened to me. My grades went down. Uh, I thought I'd go out for another sports team to try to pick it up. I failed. I got kicked off the team and things were going, eventually got so bad that my parents uh, let me move back to Indiana my senior year and I lived with my grandparents. Um, I, I had to spend actually multiple years trying to figure out what lies I had believed that other people had said about me. And uh, I think you've probably had a similar experience. Maybe different words. Maybe not even words. Maybe it's been the actions of other people, but mostly words. I think it's, I think it's mostly the words that, that begin to unfold. And so this lie, sticks and stones, are the only thing that hurt me, right? That's, that's a complete lie. You have your stories. I have my stories, and we've got to go after this because do we understand that our stories are affecting up here? And if you want to love God well, frankly, if you want to love other people well, this has got to be as healthy as possible. So the problems that you and I have had about what people have said to us, not new. Unfortunately, it's not new, and and the Bible speaks to this, and I thought I'd just show you some of the places. Uh, the, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I mean, you can't say it much better. I think we all would very much agree to that, that it pierces like a sword. It's deadly. The reckless, right? Isn't it the reckless? Sometimes we even say, well, I didn't mean it. Like, it doesn't matter if you meant it or not. It was, it was reckless. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Very true. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now, if you've grown up in church, you think you know where I'm going. Oh, this is like the annual sermon that the pastor gives where he tells us to clean up our mouths. Got the point, Pastor David? In fact, you don't even have to preach the whole sermon. Can we just go now? We'll start talking nicer to each other. Uh, Let me caution you just for a moment. I'm not sure that we're applying what we know. I know you know. I've never met a person who's like, really? I'm supposed to talk nice to people? I've never heard that before. Thank you, Pastor David, right? Most of us, even when we were young, that was like some of the first lessons, right? Don't say that to your brother. Don't say that in public kind of stuff. And so many of us, you think you're like, I know where you're going. I know what you're doing. Do you? In fact, I'm not convinced that we understand the power, the weight 
of words. To show you, let me take you to the Bible. This is Jesus. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Do you need some time with this? I do. Just so you know, this is not David just, I'm offering you an opinion, a thought, maybe this might happen. Jesus said, you must give an account, you must have a conversation on judgment day about every idle word you speak. If you're like idle, what in the world? That's uh, I, better translations. They didn't really nail it there with the English. Careless, lazy. <laughs> now, now, for those of you who are going to misinterpret this, this is not saying, okay, if you said some lazy, careless things, you're not going to heaven. No, no, no. This is not a heaven or hell are you going to make it. This is just no matter how you interpret the Bible saying that you and I will one day have a conversation with God about our conversations. That's some weight to where you sure can say, well, I didn't mean it. But it's still heavy, is it not? To have someone at least bring up that our words they matter to God. They're important to Him. In fact, Jesus said a little bit more. And I think you'll get this because I don't know what you're valuing. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, He said, try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. See, they were arguing and talking about how important it was to eat certain things at certain times and all that. And that's important. No, you are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. I don't know what your opinion is of, of words. But I can, with, with not even that much work, tell you that to God, our words are a big, big deal. And if you begin to connect some dots where you would agree that some of the mean things that people have said to you have hurt you, then you say, and God's going to talk to me about some of the careless, lazy things that I've said? You and I need to have a little short conversation about this. And here's why regarding the mind, the condition of our mind is often a result of something that was said. If you struggle having a relationship that thrives, perhaps it's not always the other person. Perhaps it's some things that people have spoken to you and over you, and they have been hurtful and dangerous and reckless, and they have said things that no human being should say to even a dog. But they said it to you, and it could be as far back as childhood, and you remember some of the things that your friends said, or, or maybe it was at work and a boss or coworker said something, or maybe it was a family member, someone you were married to, and they spoke these things, and you're wondering, why is my mind so cloudy and full of tension and stress? Why does it feel like my mind is not on the tracks? Oftentimes, it's because of something someone said, and it stayed there. What we speak matters. That's what I was trying to get to. What we, what we speak matters. 
They say <laughs> that you and I will say about 18,000 words a day, some of, or 16,000 words a day. You're going to say more, some of you. It's okay. I'm not hating on you. Some of you are going to say fewer. You're like, I'm a person of very few words. Uh, best estimates, in a lifetime, you're going to speak over 800 million words. In fact, I'd like to get on a soapbox for a minute. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. It's an old school term. I want to address something because when I tell you, hey, this is how many you're speaking, some of us like, oh, no, 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 <clears throat> David, I do not say mean things. Well, do you text them? Some of you are like, well, no, they just misinterpreted my tone on the text. Mm -hmm. See, we live in a different era, and you have to apply this, that when I talk to you and when the Bible says, hey, you got to pay attention, that, that what you speak could do some damage, it's not just because you know that you can say a lot of things with your phone or your computer. and you can, Many of us, you can't put enough emojis to adequately communicate some stuff. And can we admit, are you, are you willing to admit that sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, we are way more vicious via text than we are in person? Saying things that you wouldn't dare say to someone's face. You want a good rule? If you're afraid to say it to their face, don't text it. And just, just apply that. Many people nowadays are ending relationships via text. Many bosses are confronting staff members via emails. And we think it's cool. We think it's some separate category of life where we're like, it's their fault if they misinterpret that. What I've already read to you from the Bible, what God will tell you already about what you and I speak, that's my soapbox. You need to lump in the texting and the emails. or If you're still writing letters, that's fine too, but that still applies. So, if you and I do not want to wreck our minds or the minds of other people, I don't know if you've ever had someone do that to you or you've done it, how do we, what, what does God have to say about actual application to, like, how do, we, how, how do we speak to each other? Don't use foul or abusive language. And some of you think I'm staring at you. I'm not. It's, it's, I'm just... Don't use foul or abusive language. Now, I, I have to read this slowly because here's how I know this sermon works. is Many of us are like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 we got to go slow. And in fact, a bit of a disclaimer here, okay? There are sermons that I'll uh, pass on to my wife and say, hey, you know, would you, you know, would you read this? Make sure, I mean, it's not like, or at least it's somewhat coherent. And I feel good about it, right? I feel good about it. Like, hey, I can't wait to preach this. I have not been anxious about preaching this, and you need to know why. Because I feel like a hypocrite, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not batting perfectly in this world. And uh, I think we all have got to be a bit more honest about how we're talking, and I'll be the one that does it. That although we are familiar, with, although we know this stuff, are we living this stuff? Don't use foul or abusive language. Don't hurt people with your words. Let everything you say be good and helpful. This is where I begin. This is where David feels like a hypocrite. Like, does he mean everything? Can we, like, let's retract. 
Let most of the things you say be, no, let let everything be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. (laughs) That's neat. Uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrased the Bible and rewrote it in different ways that still apply. I I just wanted to see some. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. I don't know, maybe maybe you do that. Maybe every word that comes out of your mouth, everything you text, everyone receives it as a gift. Thank you so much. Some of you are are actually twisting my words right now. Oh, David, I give them a gift. Mm -hmm. No, don't don't forget the original was encouragement. Like the way I, okay, okay. okay. Each word a gift. I know you know it. I'm going to keep asking you, are you living that? Each and every word a gift. Let me summarize the whole sermon in case you tuned out. (laughs) Words deliver peace or poison. That's the truth. You know it. I know it. They deliver peace or poison. When you're in a conversation with a coworker, no matter what they've offered you or what you're offering them, peace or poison. Sometimes it's not even about the two people in the conversation, about someone else, but still peace or poison, right? How you and I speak, what we talk, what we text, peace or poison. We're we're called as Christians. If you're a Christian, if you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm all about Jesus, yeah. Then you and I are called by Jesus himself to bring into conversations peace. Frankly, that's not what a lot of our private conversations in our homes are about. And Alexa knows better, just so you know. So let, let's, let's go super specific. Peace or poison. What are you speaking to others? Just, just don't answer out loud, but I want you thinking about what you are actually speaking, texting, typing. Like, like are you, peace or poison. No matter what their response is, some of us are going, but they deserve, I get what they deserve. I get that. But what are you bringing to it, peace or poison? Here's what the Bible says about this. The tongue can bring death or life. Many of us are treating it like, but isn't there another option where it's just like nothing? No. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Life or death? Peace or poison? Okay, I've already told you a, a tough story. Uh, so let, let's, let, I have had multiple people take this and apply this to my life in the best ways. Uh, peace. Statements like, I'm proud of you. Maybe you've had someone say that to you. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you longed for it to be spoken to you, whether it be work, school, whatever. I, I grew up in a home where it was regularly spoken. Where my parents... Uh, And they didn't even wait for an A because, well, that was too rare to wait for it. Uh, Regularly would look me in my face and say, I'm proud of you. My parents even visited recently. And they didn't go the trip without saying, I'm proud of you. I grew up in a home where it was a kitchen table. I'm proud of you. It wasn't, wasn't, 
relying on perfection. See, sometimes that's what we're like, I say I'm proud of them. When they get perfect, no, 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 no. No, it's just like, I'm proud of you. And it was spoken. It was, and it was profoundly impacted. In fact, I can remember many of the moments, it still affects me. When I have anyone, I've had bosses, there are people in my life that, hey, I'm proud of you. And it has, has yet to be like, well, I don't care. <laughs> no, no, it's always like, ooh, <clears throat> can you say that again? <laughs> right? Most of us are like, that feels good. Even if you hide it in the moment, you're like, oh, cool, I was just working hard, yeah. And you go, but that was awesome, right? I'm proud of you. Here's what I know. Some of you right now are desperate to hear that from someone you care about. I'm proud of you. I had a friend tell me, don't give up once. If you've ever heard that, that probably resonated with you. Because for someone to tell you, don't give up, they're communicating something about you that, that's special and good. Don't give up. I remember one circumstance. I was, I was pursuing some dreams of mine, some things that I felt like God wanted me to do and was excited. I was like, I want to give my life away to this. And, and it was not happening. I don't know if you've ever been there where you've had dreams and aspirations and, and no one else had the same dream for you or aspiration for you. And you begin to say, I think I'm going to be done with this. And I found myself one night deciding I'm going to give up on this dream, frankly, to be a pastor. And then a buddy called me. I don't actually didn't even talk to him much. He was just a buddy. He said, hey, I just want to call you. Oddly enough, it was in a hallway again. And he said, uh, I just feel like I'm supposed to call you and tell you don't give up. Keep pressing forward. I wonder where I would be right now had he not called and spoken those words to me. I probably would have believed that I shouldn't go after some things, and I probably would have decided to abandon what God wanted me to do. But he brought peace. My favorite is I love you. Our family now, we say it all the time. Like, if, if you overheard our phone conversations, you'd be like, would you just stop it? I know, I know some people are like, you know what, David, you really shouldn't say I love you all the time because you're going to kind of like lessen the value of the words. Okay, our family's taking a different approach than that. We try to say it all the time because I don't want there to, I don't want to lie to sneak in. It's, it's funny, like even our phone conversations, okay, okay, it's how we end it, right? I love you. Okay, good. And then someone says something more. So then you continue the conversation, then you re-engage. Well, okay, okay, well, I love you. okay. Uh, and then you talk a little bit more about something that just popped in the mind. And, okay, I, I love you. And, and it, that's why a, if you ever heard this, you'd be like, you're nuts. Uh, it still gets me when Katie says, I love you. See, I, I still like, again, can you say that three or four more times? Love it. Still gets me when I drop the kids off somewhere. And without even me prompting it, they, they open up the door and they turn around and look at me. I love you, Dad. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. You're going to skip school today. Come on, let's go. We're just, we're just going to go play and have ice cream. I don't know. Right? Here's what I know, though. I know this. I've heard some of your stories. You need to know that amongst us, there are people who grew up with parents who never said, I love you. Who got married and I love you basically never got spoken after the ceremony. Some of us in our lives, have not heard it like we ought to hear it. And the absence of it has been the poison for you. Peace or poison.
And I don't know how you've been affected, but I actually want to go more into your business about you. I'm going to ask you one more question. What are you speaking to yourself? Perhaps I should add on to this because of what was spoken to you or not spoken to you. You see the continuation here? What, what are you speaking to yourself? Because you know that you're talking to yourself. Many of us think, well, that means I'm crazy. No, it actually doesn't. A scientist will tell us the, the person you speak to the most is, guess what? You. <laughs> That's how that works. We all have an inner dialogue. We all are talking to ourselves, not in craziness, but it's just how we process. The most words you will ever say, if you categorize who you're talking to, who you're talking to, who you're talking to, you get the most words from you, which is profound when you actually break it down that way. I wonder what you're saying to yourself. I would imagine it's not all good. So I'm going to steal a phrase from the show Cops. What you say can be used against you huh? or for you. Do you ever think about what you're saying? I know many of us are like, but I don't say it out loud. I know, but you have a thought. So it's like speaking it to yourself. Do you know that it can be used against you or for you, depending upon how you process it? And I don't know what you've been saying to yourself, but this is actually a big deal. In fact, this is something in the Bible. This is not like some weird TED Talk kind of thing where it's like, hey, just say nice things to yourself. Stare in the mirror. You're the best. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's deeper than that. In fact, let me show you in the Bible one of the places. And David, this is not me, by the way. If you don't know actually about David in the Bible, uh, he's the guy that when he was a kid had rocks and a slingshot and killed a giant. Later on, he becomes king. This is the in-between time that, well, frankly, wasn't going great. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. There's the, eh, not a good day. Uh, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. Watch, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Other versions say he encouraged himself. Let me help. David encouraged David. It's a big deal. You're either a helpful coach or a dangerous critic up here. Some of you are dangerous up here. You're speaking things about yourself and to yourself, and you are owning every bit of the things you're saying because you know who you trust the most? You. And when you say it to yourself, you begin to think this must be true and begin to own it. In fact, many of us have taken what's been spoken to us and we start a whole new conversation and we lead it and it goes bad. We aren't coaching ourselves going, you know what, there's good, there's good. No, no, we're going after the bad where you have less than perfect whatever. Let me give you examples. Perhaps when you look in a mirror, you hate what you see. Maybe to the point that you may not say it out loud because you know it's not good to say it out loud, but you might look at the mirror and be like, you know what, I'm ugly. You might look at, at your body or your face or whatever and say, you know what, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I don't look like so-and-so, or I, I've, I've let myself go, and you begin to tell yourself, I am just not as good anymore. I am ugly, and you tell yourself, and this begins to cycle. This is how you talk to yourself. No one's saying it, or maybe there's a few saying it, but you are owning it, and you're driving this car. And I can tell you what happens. You say it to yourself enough, you'll begin to believe it, and you will stop taking care of yourself and stop caring about yourself. 
You will own it so much that it will impact your relationships that many people, whether you're married or not, desire to be married or in a romantic relationship. Those thoughts hurt that relationship. Many of the people that you have a difficult time at work with, do you know that it's not because they're desiring to necessarily be difficult? It's they've got a train of thought going on up here that's jacking up all the relationships. They don't even know how to talk to you because they've bought some lies. Some have said, you know, I'm stupid, and they begin to buy that and believe that. That's what I wrestled with growing up. I struggled in school. I'd have buddies who could study 15 minutes or an hour before a test and ace it. I'd study all week and barely get a C-. minus. And I began to say, like, if you can do that and I'm doing this, I must be stupid and begin to own it and buy it. Maybe it's a value thing. Maybe you just look at yourself or think about yourself and the, and the thoughts in your head are, I'm just not valuable. You see other people with talents and gifts and opportunities and things in their life and it seems like it's awesome for them. And you look at your life and like, that doesn't look like my life and begin to wonder if you're even valuable or important enough. And you walk that out and begin to actually own it and live that way and just give up on life. Do you see how powerful? Do you see where this thing can take us? To some dark, dark, places. Whether it's been someone in your life that has spoken these evil things to you, or maybe you have been the one who has spoken the evil to you, maybe it's been the devil himself. Let me help you begin a renewal. And a way to renew your mind is to own, in fact, what God has said about you. See, God said words, and they're powerful. Here's just a summary of some of them. It's straight out of the Bible. I'm, I, there's too many references to give them all to you. So God says you're worthy. You are enough to talk to him. You don't have to be good enough for a week or two weeks or a month or a year or 10 years. No, no, he, he, you can come talk to him. Uh, you are loved. It says it all over the place in the Bible. And he's proven it over and over. And, but he loves you. And he's he's spoken this. This isn't just like, yeah, you should just know I made you so I love you. No, it's bigger than that. He said it. He says you're valuable, whether you feel like you are or not, whether someone hurt you or did something to you and you begin to question your value, whether people have spoken things to you that have made you think I'm not. No, you are valuable. I mean, just one point. I mean, God came to earth for you. You are his. He's willing to claim you. I mean, I've had times in my life, I'm like, do you claim me? Most of us have wrestled with that. Belonging to him, belonging in his family, seems like a big deal. In fact, I tell you, here's what God says about you. Here's what God says about you. And many of us are like, yeah, I've heard that. That's neat. It's God. Oh, yeah, it's God. If you're new to the Bible... The Bible starts in Genesis is the name of the book, very beginning of the Bible, and it actually details the creation account, how earth and all the universe and all that stuff happened. And if you read it, and and you really read it, like you ought to read it, you'll notice a trend as it describes what God did. God created a bunch of stuff, but he didn't go to his workshop and get his special DeWalt tools and start making some stuff. The Bible is very clear. When God wanted to make oceans, he said, oceans. When he wanted mountains, he's like, how about mountains now? Let's do that. Animals made them all. He spoke them. 
If you, if you look at the account, you don't miss that word. He spoke this, he spoke that, he spoke this, he spoke that. And creation, the universe, the stars, everything, all there. Perfectly aligned and moving in perfect motion. I mean, you and I can say something to someone and it hurt them or help them, right? God can speak and the power of his words are different than yours and mine. He literally created where you and I are with his words. So when I tell you that God spoke this, pay attention. Because his words are powerful. So what do you do with it? Well, this sermon should go here. Let God's words define your words. Let what God has said, because they're the most powerful, let his words define your words. What you're saying about yourself, the, the idea that you would have someone say, I'm, I'm proud of you, I love you, I'm sticking with you, don't give up. Those words that maybe someone didn't speak or that have wrecked your mind and you're struggling with others have said about you or to you or around you or someone else about you, all that kind of stuff. And you're like, how do I get this back on the tracks? You begin to let God's words define everything you speak, not just to others, Get that not just to others, to yourself. Perhaps that's where we all begin. I think that's where we all ought to begin. To get our minds back on the tracks is to go back to what God said about us. In fact, let me refresh your, your memory. <laughs> These are just a few. Please look at me. I know people have failed you. And I know you have failed people. I know that because people have failed me and I have failed people. I have said cruel and reckless and people have said cruel and reckless to me. All of us have something in common. We understand the power of words. So let's not just know that Let's live this out, church. Let's change what we bring into the conversations. Let's bring peace to our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our teams, whatever. Let's bring peace. I want to end our time, I think, in the right place with a conversation with God. So here's what I want you to do, and you have to listen. Listen to me. I think these words hit us all differently. In fact, my best guess is there is a certain word or a couple of words that resonate with you the most. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'm gonna pray for you. But before you bow your heads and close your eyes, before you do that, I'd like for you to grab a word or two in your mind that resonates with you, that you need to have a conversation with God about because he says this about you. I, here's what I want you to do, and this is, we all apply. Grab the word or two. And once you get it in your mind, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I believe every single one of us needs to own these things that you have said about us. They are true. No person can remove them no circumstances can change them. No one has authority 
to minimize them. God, those right now who are wrestling with believing that they are valuable or loved or worthy or yours, God, would you help us right now to own that? Heavenly Father, would you begin to heal our hearts? Would you begin to heal our minds? Lord, I pray for those who have been told lies. Would you rip those lies out of our minds and fill them up with what you know to be true. You love us and care about us. God, for those of us who have said things that were reckless, that were like swords, we ask for your forgiveness. If possible, God, help us to restore relationships. And we commit to you now. I believe this as a church. God, help us. We want to bring peace into conversations. Peace. God, thank you for the opportunity for a second chance. We love you so much, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.